This morning we are going to continue on this series of First John, the preaching that we have been doing for the past few months. And I believe that you have been greatly blessed by the first letter of John. And it is a letter that teaches us to love one another, to love God, to live in light, and also to be strong in our foundation in Christ so that we will not be easily swayed or be led astray by other teaching for other people who do not re represent God correctly. So this morning, I would like to start off by asking this question. Think about a song whereby the main theme is love. Think about a song where the main theme is love. I want you to come up with a song immediately. I hope that you can do it. And for those who are watching online, think about a song where the main theme is love and type into the live chat box. I would like to hear from you. What are the songs that you have in mind that the main theme is love. At least the word love, loving, lovely, love, love, love is there. Think about it. It can be a Christian song. It can be any song that you grew up with, Chinese song, English song, whatever song. Do you have it? Now, I'm not asking you to sing it out. I'm not going to ask you to even recite it right now. But as you think about the song of love, I want you to think about the content of the entire song. Yes, it's about love. But what is the main motive, main content, main substance? What is it about love that it is speaking about? Is it love because of love? Love because of heartbreak? Love because of sexuality? Love because of fantasy? Love because of many other things? Now, while you're deep in thought, let me show you or present to you one love song which I like, all right? And this is a song that if you are familiar with, it shows your age. Let me show you this lyric, the chorus only, okay? The chorus only. It is entitled, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love by Jackie DeShannon. Some of you in your age, I saw you in your age, you just nod your head. Yeah. Now this is what the chorus says. What the world need now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world need now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Now, this song, for some of you, it may ring in your mind. It's a very catchy song. It's a very nice song. It's all about this world needs love. Won't you agree? The world needs love. And the only thing that is just too little of is love. The world says that there's enough mountain. God, there's enough mountain for us to climb. God, there's enough of so many things, but it's just too little of love. Won't you agree? Now, as we agree that there is a need of love, we need to ask ourselves, if everyone needs love, it is a universal need, right? Whether you are male or female, young or old, living in the past, present or the future, we all need love because it's universal. But because it's so universal, we need to do one very important thing. We need to know and define what love is. 
what love is. And if love is so essential to human race, do we need an absolute definition? Meaning that we need a definition of love that will not change just because of your color, uh, the color of your skin, just because of different culture, just because different age group. Love must have an absolute definition. It cannot change so easily. It cannot change at all because it is something so universal, something so important to every single person. Don't you agree? Now, even though I'm not a love doctor, today I'm going to talk about the topic of love from the letter of 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 16. I would like to ask you to read together with me this uh, passage from verses 7 to 16. Let's read together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. Next slide. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. How many of you can count? How many words of love, 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 and love? This is the topic that we are going to talk about today. Love. I have three main points. God is love. Secondly, love as God defines it. Thirdly, God, God's love is made complete in us. I'm going to spend a quite a lengthy time this morning to talk about point one. God is love. So don't, be, don't worry if I spend too much time in point one, and when you look at the watch, hey, it's about to end. Now my point two and point three will be very short. And point two and point three will always point back to point number one, because God is love. And this is a very, very important understanding that I hope that you will get today. God is love. Alright? So, let's start this journey of love, alright? First point, God is love. As 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, he says again, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, the Bible says God is love. It doesn't say God is capable of love. 
even though it's true. It doesn't say God is loving the we, although it's also true. But God, uh, the Bible says God is love. That means love originates from God. God is a direct source of love. Love is an attribute of God. Love is, God, is, is, is who God is. It is the core character. It is all that God is. And all that God say, all that God do, all that God is, is love. Loving and love is not just part of what God does. It is who God is. God will provide. God will protect. God will heal. That is what He does. Out of His love, He do all this. But it's not just what He do. It is who He is. God is love. And love is who God is. Even unbeliever knows this. God is love. Now, let me give you some example of how God expresses His love. Number one, God's love for God. God loves God. Wow, so chim, so deep. What does it mean? God, our Father, loves God, the Son, loves God, the Spirit, who loves God, the Father. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, love each other perfectly. The Trinity of Lord is a perfect example of the perfect love of God. Some of you, you may ask, why do we need three in one God, Trinity? You see, it's easy to say that God is love when God is a person. It's easy to say that I am a love doctor when it's only I, one person. But we have God, Trinity. Father, Son, Spirit. And they love each other perfectly. That's how God shows us that He is love. God's love for God. And that's why Trinity is very important. That it is not just God saying that He is love. It's not just a claim that God is love. That God really shows us His perfect love when He loved Himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Secondly, God's love in creation. God so loved the world that He made the entire universe. The entire universe is so huge, so vast, so beautiful, that He made a tiny little speck of dust called Earth. If you look at the entire universe, Earth is so tiny. But yet, God made it so beautiful. God made everything so that we can enjoy God's perfect creation here on Earth. God made you and I to be on earth to enjoy everything that He has created us to have. God made colors. God made flowers. God made sunset. God made beautiful things so that we can enjoy the sight. So that we can look at it. God made delicious food so that we can enjoy it with our mouth, with our taste. God made sweet and, 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 and a nice smell so that we can enjoy it with our nose. God made melodious sound so that we can enjoy it with our ear. God made the warmth of body so that we can enjoy hugs and kisses. God gave us free will to choose so that we have the freedom to choose to follow Him 
all to disobey Him. God made everything so that we can enjoy His creation. God's love is manifested in His creation. And then another way that God is love. Here are just some examples. Is that God's love in disciplinary. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 to 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. When you receive discipline from the Lord, it's because God loves you. Parents, I believe that you discipline your children not because you're angry with them. I hope it's not. I pray that you will discipline your children because you love them. Because you want them to take on some discipline in their life. This is how our Father in Heaven treats us also. A loving discipline. Not because of anger or hatred. Because of His wrath. No, because of His love. A loving discipline. Even the judgment and the punishment from God it is still a loving act because God is love. And number four, God's love in the cross of Jesus. Now this is where I want to spend most time in because God's love through the cross of Jesus Christ, that is the supreme, ultimate expression of God's love. I want to give you these four examples and it's just a small example of what God is in terms of love. But as I want to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ, I want to reiterate that the greatest love that God has for us, it is the cross of Jesus Christ. Throughout the New Testament, God's love and the cross of Jesus, they are synonymous. You talk about God's love, you talk about Jesus dying on the cross for us. You talk about Jesus dying on the cross for us, you talk about God's love. Because the love of God through the cross of Jesus Christ show us that we, human beings, receive God's perfect love even though we are undeserving, rebellious, proud, boastful, and unworthy humankind. God sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to redeem us, to reconcile us back to Him while we are still rebelling against Him. And I want to make, take a moment to really talk about the relationship between God the Father and Jesus the Son of God. Now, we always hear that Jesus is the Son of God, right? Jesus is the Son of God. But what does it mean? Now, it certainly does not mean that God has a wife and therefore He has a son, Jesus. It doesn't mean that God has a human wife or a goddess wife and He has a son, Jesus. No. Jesus is the Son of God, meaning that Jesus, even though He is the Son of God, He is equally God Himself. Jesus is God, even though He's the Son of God. So God the Father, Jesus the Son, both are God. Now, it's not both are gods. There's no two gods. There's only one God, but... God the Father, God the Son. Follow me on this, all right? And even though there's two persons, God the Father, God the Son, 
they are two distinct persons, one God. And when the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Son of God, it tells us that Jesus is God, separate person from God the Father, that Jesus it is God incarnate. Jesus being made, uh, born as a human, in the human flesh, and he has perfect union and holy, intimate relationship with God the Father. Holy, intimate relationship with God the Father. That is what it calls the Son of God. The Son of God. Meaning that Jesus has a holy, intimate relationship with God because Jesus is God. Something that you and I will never have. Both God the Father, God the Son, love each other perfectly in a divine holy love. Divine holy love. Something that we are incapable of. But God chose to send Himself. Remember, God is one. He sent Himself, Jesus, to earth as God incarnate. God in human flesh. So that God Himself, Jesus, will suffer on the cross, die for us, to give us salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, redemption of sin. Can you imagine giving yourself, giving yourself up to a horrible death just for others? God the Father gave up Himself through Jesus to die for us. And that is His ultimate expression of love. Now you may be confused, but to help you to get a glimpse, I'm going to give you an illustration. It may not be an adequate illustration, but let me try to do this in a human way so that you can understand it. Without permission, I would like to quote Kenny and wife. Imagine this. Kenny and Ivy went to a country. They saw hundreds of children, poor, often, without any parent, no one taking care of them. They were rebellious, no one to take care of them. And they were all in a prison because they are so naughty, so bad. And because Kenny and Ivy loved them so much, both of them decided to take good care of them. Both Kenny and Ivy decided to feed them, protect them, provide for them, teach them, give all the love they can because both Kenny and Ivy love them, to nurture them, give them attention, raise them up in godliness. But these children were very ungrateful, very rebellious, very proud. They only want all the good things from Kenny and Ivy. They want all the candies. They want all the money. They want all the good things to enjoy. But they never obey. They never want to listen. They ignore all the good teaching from both Kenny and Ivy. Time and time and time again, these children disobey. And not just disobey, outright rebellion against Kenny and Ivy. Finally, the country, that prison, saw this and has decided, okay, Kenny, Ivy, since all these children are so rebellious, I'm going to take it back from you. 
put them back to the prison. And because they're so bad, even though you give them a second chance, the prison says, I'm going to take all of them back, put them back in the prison, and in a few days' time, I'm going to execute them, kill all of them. Now, because Kenny and Ivy love the children so much, which they decided from the very beginning, Kenny and Ivy had a meeting together. And then, Kenny says, what shall we do? And Ivy says, well, we know the prison is going to take them back. And the prison is going to execute all of them. So, Ivy with a heavy heart, but a heart full of love and compassion, says, let me go and die for them so that you can take back all the children. Kenny as a husband, because he is also full of love and compassion, because of his love for the children, Kenny says, yes, my dear, this decision has broken the two-in-one husband and wife relationship. The husband allows the wife, two-in-one, you know, wife and husband, two-in-one flesh, the Bible says. Kenny with a heavy heart, but a heart full of love and compassion, told Ivy, yes, let's do this. And ultimately, Ivy went, took the place of death. And when the execution comes, all the children, as well as Kenny, saw that Ivy was executed. And of course, all the children was released. Kenny was happy, glad that he got all the children back. But at the same time, Kenny was sad because his precious wife, the wife that he loved so, so much, part of him, he sacrificed for the children. Don't you think that when Kenny does this, Kenny would have the right to discipline the children? Kenny would have the right to tell the children what to do? Because he loves the children and the discipline, the teaching is all come up from his love. But do you know what? The children did not re respond in gratefulness. The children say, well, Uncle Kenny, when I want to come home, I'll come home. Well, Uncle Kenny, you want to talk to me? I have no time. I'm too busy. Well, Uncle Kenny, you want me to do this? No. I don't want. It's not convenient. Well, Uncle Kenny, you want me to give a part of what I earn to you? No. I just want to keep it for, for myself. If these children treat Uncle Kenny like that, all of you, as the auntie and uncle, huh, how would you, what would you say to all these children? How many of you, you will slap all these children left and right? Now, this is an inadequate illustration. But yet, I hope that you get this point of 
God the Father and God the Son, they are one God. They love each other perfectly in a holy, divine love. And yet, God, one God, God, decided to give away himself through Jesus Christ to express his love for you and for me who are undeserving, proud, rebellious, and sinful. God loved himself with perfect divine love decided to give away himself to us. That is the love of God for us. And that's why in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we read about the Bible saying that, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. You know, the Bible is so, so amazing in the words that it tells us. Great love. The Father has lavished. It's not just see what kind of love. No, great love. Great love. And this great love has been lavish. You know what is lavish? Few, few weeks ago, not few weeks ago. Yeah, a few weeks ago, my family and I, we went for a trip. And because I knew that we will be in a car for a long time, I told my children, okay, because we are going to be in a car for a long time, I allow all of you to buy snacks. I brought them to a snack shop, you know, the, 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 a shop that really sells all kinds of snacks. Healthy one, unhealthy one, but mostly unhealthy one, okay? Now, to children, when you bring them to a snack shop, wow, they ask me, Daddy, how much can I spend? I tell them, because it's a special trip, okay? You can spend up to about a three snack, whatever price it is. Of course, snacks won't be so expensive, lah. Huh? That's why I dare to say that. You know, buy three snack, whatever price it is, because I know that it's not going to be too expensive. And they were so happy to a children who went into a snack shop when the daddy says, "Take anything you want, don't look at the price." Lavishing on them. I became the best dad of the world that moment. That particular moment only lah. Huh? And after that, I have slight regret. Three kids, each of them buying only three snacks, altogether nine snacks. But my wife also joined into the party. She also bought some snacks. And it, 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 the bill comes up as almost 100 ringgit. Snacks only, you know. Lavishing. See, this is what lavishing is. God lavished on us His love. God is not just saying that I love you with a great love, but God lavished His love on us through giving part of Himself, precious divine self for us through Jesus Christ. Now, this is something I want you to get. God is love. He lavished His love on us through the Son, Jesus Christ. God gave Himself up for us. He loved Himself perfectly, divinely, and yet He gave Himself up for us. And that is why God is love. And He loved us supremely to the cross of Jesus Christ. 
and through this death of Jesus Christ, I want you to know three characteristics on the love of God, this supreme love of God. First John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, it says here, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God. You and I, we are not capable of taking the initiative to respond to God or to love God. We are dead in our own pride, in our own sin. Not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His sons as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. From these two verses, we learn three characteristics of God's love. Number one, God took the initiative, even though we are incapable, unable to love God or to respond to His love in any way. God took the initiative. Just like Kenny and Ivy took the initiative to love the orphan, even though they are incapable, rebellion. God took the initiative. Secondly, God focused on our greatest needs, redemption of sin, to give us eternal life, to help us so that we will be alive again from the bondage of sin, from the poverty of our spirit. And number three, when God sent His Son Jesus Christ for us, God focused on the establishment and reconciliation of relationship to reconcile us Sinners condemned to a gracious God. Establish that relationship again. These three characteristics. Initiative from God because we are incapable of. Focus on our greatest need. And focus on establishing the relationship. And that's why God's love for us through Jesus, is always the greatest love. When we talk about the love of God, it's always synonymous with Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. It opened the only way, the only way for us to reconcile back to Him, to receive His love. And that's through Jesus Christ. God is love. He manifests His love in many different ways. But the ultimate supreme way is to giving up of himself through Jesus on the cross to take the initiative to love us, to focus on our greatest needs, and also to reconcile us back to him. That is the love of God. God is love. I hope that you get the way, the understanding, the awesomeness of God is love. Secondly, love as God defines it. Love as God defines it. When we know and experience God's love, we are to extend, we are to give away the love to others. Because when we love God, when we love God, because God is love, then it will result in us wanting to start to love others. We are infected by the love of God so that we can infect others. Not by COVID. But the principle is still the same. If I have COVID, I'm infectious. You come near me, you will be infected by COVID and you can spread the COVID around. Sometimes I really hope 
that God's love is like COVID. One person can infect the entire Malaysia, that the daily cases will be 20, 30,000. But not COVID, but the love of God. Imagine there is, will be a website to tell us, what's AG? Each one of us, we infect 20 other people. And then tomorrow morning, I look at the number again, 20,000. 20,000 people infected by the love of God. The next morning, when I look at the number again, 30,000, wow, going up. But it's not because of worries of COVID, but because I'm so happy, wow. God's love can be, inf can be infectious. When you receive the love of God from God who is love, you will infect others. But we need to love as God defined it, you know. Not just loving people according to what we understand it to be. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then in 1 John 4, 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's love for us, that is the basis for us to love others. God's indwelling love in us, it will cause us to love others. I have a question for all of us this morning. How can we love others in the same manner that God has loved us? Again, ponder about this question. How can you and I love others in the same manner that God has loved us? Does it mean that you and I literally need to send our son, our daughter to die on the cross to show our love? Does it mean that you and I need to sell our possession, send away our spouse to die? I don't think so. But here are three ways we can love others based on scripture that we have just read. Number one, take initiative to love others. Now, many of you, you say is that, well, pastor, since the pandemic happened two years ago, no one cares about me. Yes, it will be sad if no one cares about you because as a church, we talk about love others so much. And I'm very sorry if this church have neglected you for the past two years. It should not have been that. But on the flip side, the Bible says, let's take initiative to love others. Don't just sit on the fact that no one loves you, but let's get up, rise up above it, and say, God, who can I love? Who can I take initiative to love? Just as God took the initiative to love us while we are still sinners, we need to be more like Him. We need to resemble our Father in heaven to take the initiative to love others. Secondly, when you love others, focus on their needs. What are the needs that they have? That means that you need to get to know the person. It's not just about touch and go, that you go there, give something, okay, good for you, bye-bye. But you need to get to know the person, relate to that person. Then you know his or her needs and meet that need as best as you can. You may be able to do it alone, 
But that's where community comes in, small group comes in, togetherness comes in. Do it together. Meet the needs together. And thirdly, whenever you meet the needs, it's not an act of charity. Sometimes we have sympathy for other people and we help other people, which is good. But we are doing it out of a heart of charity. I am in a better situation than you. I take pity on you. I will help you because I feel generous. I feel very good when I do something good. Yes, you should. It's a natural response. But ultimately, get this purpose. When you help someone, meet the need of someone, always point that someone back to the relationship to Christ. Always point that someone back to the relationship of Christ. Always remember that. Do all the good that you can. Point at someone else to Christ. Our church, every Saturday right now, we have the filial service where we gather the people who, who need help. Come into the church. We'll have a service, fellowship with them, and then we'll give them food. Some people ask the church, why don't we just give food outside every single day? Yes, we can. But our ultimate goal is not just to give food, that's all. Many people can do that. But we want them to come in, to know Christ, to share the gospel with them, give them spiritual food, and after that, we also give them physical food. Focus on establishment of reconciliation of relationship back to God. You can do that with your colleague, your spouse, your friends. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Take initiative, focus on their needs, point them to Jesus. So my question again is this. Who has I loved with the love of God in the past two years of MCO? Think of a few names. Who have you loved for the past two years during the MCO? Who are the ones missing from church today? Can you think of a name? Who are the ones who are growing away from God? Can you think of a name? Who are the ones who need the good news of Jesus Christ in your family, friends, colleagues? And how can I start loving them with the love of God right now? What needs do they have that you can meet today? And how can your act of love bring them back to a relationship with God and with God's people? Can I have the next slide? These are the questions I want you to ponder. And I want you to do this. In the next few minutes, I want every one of us here in this hall, including those who are watching online at home, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few minutes of silence in your own way. Look at all these questions and ask yourself honestly, how can I love others? Can I have some background music? And let's spend some time in reflection. Take initiative, focus on needs, focus on established relationship back to God. Let's do this together.
we can love others as we receive love from you a love from God who is love help us Father Lord not just to wish that we have done something help us not just to complain why no one cares about me but help us to reach out to others take the initiative and ask Father Lord all the reflection the names and the things that we have in mind Us to do it, give us the time to do it, and give us, Father Lord, the deliberate intention to do it so that we can show others the love of God which we receive from you. All this we ask and we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. This is how we love others take the initiative, focus on their greatest needs, and also always focus on reconcile back their relationship to God. Point them back to Jesus. Love others according to how God defined it. But I want to talk about one more thing that is very important that I hope that you will get and understand this. In today's world especially, the implication of God is love. One important understanding that I want you to learn is this. Because God is love, if you and I agree on this absolute truth of the Bible, God is love. It means that God has the supreme authority to define what love is and what love is not. Remember this. The Word of God, Bible, God, He is love. He has the supreme authority to define what love is and what love is not. Love is not weakness, pride, self-seeking, disobedience, indifference, rebellion, and ultimately sin. Those are not love. God has the authority to define what love is. It is always other-centered, not just self-centered. It is always sacrificial. It's always selfless. It's always redemptive. It's always forgiving. Because God has the authority to define love, God also gives the solution to love. God defined what love is, and God gave the solution. He is love. Look at Him, and He gave us a solution, the cross of Jesus, the plan of salvation. So, God is love. Always remember this. Love is defined by God. Standard of love, definition of love. Not our culture, not what the world says, not philosophy, not uh, uh, the, 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 the trend or the fashion of the world, but God. God is love. But the reverse may not be true. God is love, but not all love is from God. Understand that. Not all expression of our human love is from God or is God. Because our human mind has a tendency to sin. We may misinterpret and misquote love. We write poems about it, we sing about it, we make movies about it, we make social media about it. And many of this definition of love or expression of love 
is always misinterpreted, inaccurate, and outright lies. Not all human expression of love is from God because there's a tendency to express love based on our own selfishness, our own self-agenda, and our own uh, uh, willfulness, rebellion. For example, counterfeit love. Just because we want to uphold our human right to love whomever we want. As a male, I find that I, as a man, can love another man. No harm done. No harm done to you. I love another man. Let us live happily ever after. Counterfeit love. Let me love another man with a romantic love, erotic love, counterfeit love. Just because it sounds so good doesn't mean it is love. And perhaps parental and spouse love, which is so demanding, manipulating, controlling, and suffocating. Some of the parents and spouse may have unhealthy love, jealousy, control, which is so suffocating. I'm not saying all, but some. They may say that I love you so much, I control you every single thing. It's for your own good. But sometimes it may cross the border of being controlling and it's not a healthy expression of love. Abortion. In the name of love, the world tells you that as a female, you should have your right to enjoy sex with anyone you want. It's your own body. And if you get pregnant, you must have the right for abortion. Is that a right kind of love? Not all love is from God, even though God is love. And because God is love, He has the ultimate definition of love. And He gave us the ultimate solution of love. There's something that I hope that you understand this. Otherwise, you look at the media, you look at what the West offers to us in terms of love, you will hear what they say and you sound, wow, so reasonable, so logical. Macam yes, tapi bukan. Sounds so good. But if you really examine it, what kind of love is that? Counterfeit love. And that's why we need to stand strong. But when you stand strong, Jesus warned us, because you love God, the world will hate you. And that's why churches around the world, in the West, in the East, is always labeled as haters. Because we disapprove the way they love. We are labeled as haters. We are labeled as cancer culture. Because we stand up for the truth according to the Bible. Make sure you stand up the truth according to the Bible, yeah? If you are being persecuted because of your own foolishness, what can I say? But make sure you stand upon the truth of the Bible. Even if you're persecuted, Jesus says, that will come. Stand strong. So remember this. God is love. Love others according to how God defined it. Last but not least, number three. God's love, God's love made complete in us. 
Now, John chapter 4, verse 11, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. God is spirit. He is invisible, and our physical naked eye cannot see God. But according to this letter of 1 John, God can be seen in two ways. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, Apostle John says that Jesus Christ incarnate, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, when he came 2,000 years ago as human, the apostle have ate with him, touched him, talked with him, met up with him, hugged him, and did ministry with him, and they saw God in human form, Jesus. But that was 2,000 years ago. Jesus went back to heaven after he resurrected. But today, another way that God we are, that, that people can see God is through the quality of relationship between us, Christian, with other people, whether with Christian or non-Christians. The quality of relationship that we have with others. What kind of quality relationship that you have with your children? What kind of quality relationship that you have with your spouse, with your family members, with your in-law? with your friends, with your family members? What kind of quality relationship we have as a citizen of Malaysia towards this country? People will see God in that quality relationship. And that's why we always need God's love in us so that that quality relationship will be defined by God's love and not by the news, by gossip, by hurts, or by any other things. We need to start loving and caring for other people. We need to start to humbly submit to one another, forgive one another, reconcile with one another, proactively extend a helping hand with one another, serve each other willingly, courageously reach out to witness and share the gospel. All this it is an act of love and it shows Jesus to the world. People see God in how we relate to others, the quality of relationship that we have with one another. You see, subconsciously, uh, we expect that when we love God, God lives in us. We all agree to this, right? When we love God, God lives in us, right? But this verse, look at it again. If we love one another, God lives in you. You see, we love God. God lives in us. That's true. That's correct. But this verse also says, if we love one another, God lives in us. So, God's love is made complete in you and with me when we, did, when we do this too. Love God love people and that completes God's love in us God's love is made complete in you and I the love of God is complete God has given us the fullness of his love we do not need to have more of his love because God has given us everything the fullness of his love through Jesus Christ God did not withhold any love from us 
It's not because God says, if you behave better, if you are holy, if you participate in the 40 days prayer and fasting every single day, I will add in a little bit more love. I will give you a little bit more love. You cannot earn the love of God. It's given totally, freely, holistically to us. Entirely. You and I receive it already. So our response is this. We love God. We all did that. I'm sure that you love God. But at the same time, if you say you love God, you also need to love people. When you do both of this, love God and love people, it makes the love of God complete in you. And this begs the question today. You love God, but do you love people? If you love God and did not love people, God's love is not made complete in you. Although God has given you the complete love that He has for you. Many of us, we love God, but we do not love people. We spend so much time loving God, but we neglect people. Just like the parable of the Good Samaritan. The priest passed by a Samaritan who was robbed, left half dead. The priest passed by, ignored the person. The priest who represent the people to God, a holy, virtuous person, ignore the Samaritan who is left half dead. The Levite passed by, also did the same thing. So, today, you and I, we love God. I have no doubt for that. But do we love people? By being indifferent, by being uncaring, by not caring for others, by not doing anything, is also a disobedience. Do we love others? When we love God and love people, God's love is made complete in us. And there's something that we have to get. So today, God is love. God loves us supremely through His Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we love according to how God defines it. God has the authority to define love. What love is, what love is not. Even though God is love, but not all expressions of love from us, human, is of God. That's why you and I can be hurt by one another. That's why you hear people say, I'm hurt by the church. Yes, the church is full of sinners. I'm a sinner. The church doesn't exist for Christians. The church exists for sinners in need of God's grace. And also, God's love needs to make complete in your life, in my life. Love God, love people with the love from God who is love. Love, love, and love. So in conclusion, I want to encourage everyone this. As you hear this message, I hope that you will realize that your faith is not just an individual faith. It's not just about you and God. It's also about you and other people. It's also about you 
and the community of believers. And that's why it says, come back to worship together face to face. Because before and after the service is where the fellowship happened. Now, some of you, you may say, wow, after service, I need to go off early. I have no one to talk with. My suggestion and my proposal is take initiative, approach someone and not wait for someone to approach So, brothers and sisters, the importance of small group, the importance of meeting up together is so that we get that opportunity to encourage one another and that's how we love one another. So I want to end with this uh, reflection questions. Can I have the reflection questions? Number one, how has God shown us His supreme love through the cross of Jesus? Basically, this question asks you, rehearse the entire sermon that I've already so told, told you. Secondly, who can I extend love and care? In what way can I show them the love that God, that, that God uh, that, uh, uh, the love of God that I learned today. This is something that you already did just now when we spent some time. So go and do likewise. After this, go and do it. Number three, how have I let the Holy Spirit convict me in loving others with the same manner of God's love? This is the Holy Spirit that lives in you that gives you the strength to do it. You and I can't do it according to our own strength. It is the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to convict us to surrender to Him. So right now, can I ask you to stand together with me as we worship God, respond to His Word with this song. Spirit, touch your church. Let's sing this song together.